Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful night together. Lord, we want to come together tonight and worship you and praise you and learn from you, receive from you. We want to grow, Lord. We want to grow. So we ask you, Father, to teach us, to show us, to grow us. Be with us tonight, Lord. Ask it in Jesus' name. Tonight's message is called, You Are Called for a Purpose. You are called for a purpose. And we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 10. I'll probably put the majority of the scriptures up here, but if you want to turn in your Bibles, we are going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 10. So as you all know, we're getting ready very soon to celebrate the birth of the only king, that's I love that for that last song you did, of the only true king, our Lord, the King of Kings, and that's what we need to be focusing on here at Christmas time, is our Savior, our Lord, and what he came, and what he was willing to do for us. Tonight we're going to get a little bit of a history lesson, and we're going to see many things that will remind us of our Lord and King things that he said, things that he did, and we're going to see that God calls each of us. He doesn't leave anyone out. He calls each of us, and he has a purpose for doing so, and he always has gifts for each one of us, and he has work to be done. Every single believer is valuable in God's kingdom. Believe that about yourself and believe that about one another. Every single believer is valuable in the kingdom of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, the cry of God's people, if you remember or if you're looking, was for a king. The people wanted a king. They had enemies on every side that were coming against them. Their greatest enemy they had was the Philistines, and they wanted a king. They didn't seem to get it. They didn't get it that God himself was their king. He had already given them earthly prophets, right? And he'd given them leaders on every side, and he had given them judges. He had already done all of that. He was their king. But they didn't want to, to, to continue in the way they were going. They wanted an earthly king. They wanted a king like all the nations around them. They wanted a king that they could see with their eyes, a king that would march before them into battle like all the other nations had. That's what they were crying for. And before we shake our heads at them and go, don't you get it? You had everything going for you. God was with you. God was directing and speaking to you through prophets and through judges. The spirit of God had come upon all of them and they were directing you. The other people didn't have that. The other nations didn't have that. But they didn't get it. But we can't really shake our heads at them because 
Do we even see ourselves sometimes? Do we understand who our own king is that we have right here with us now? Do we understand that he goes into battle for us every single day? Hallelujah. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit of the living God dwells within you. He is with you every day, every moment. And he calls us just as he called them. He calls us, Pastor Lyle said it up front, to be a strange and a peculiar people whose kingdom is not of this world. We shouldn't be chasing after the things that the world wants. He's called us to be different. We have a king. We have the king of kings. It doesn't always appeal to us, though, because we want to blend in. We don't want to be strange and peculiar. We kind of want to blend in with all of those around us, and that's exactly what was going on back then. We're not that different. In first chapter, Samuel chapter 10, there was a Benjamite, a Benjamite, and his name was Saul, and he was looking for something. He was looking to save and to seek what was lost. In this case, it wasn't the lost sheep, okay, like our Lord looks for, right? But it was his father's donkeys. His father's donkeys had gone missing, and Saul was out looking for them. After much time had been spent looking for those donkeys, and the time then they'd already he'd already passed through many lands and traveled long and tired, and he still hadn't found the donkeys. In desperation, Saul was advised to seek out a certain prophet, and his life was going to be changed forever. He was advised to seek out the prophet Samuel. And the prophet Samuel had an amazing word for Saul. You see, this was no coincidence. Saul was expected by the prophet Samuel. The prophet Samuel was waiting for him to arrive. Saul would be the man who would give be given to the people to deliver them from the hands of all of their enemies. The people had cried for a king, and God chose someone who was the least likely from one of the smallest tribes at the time and from the lowliest clan of Benjamin to be that king and to deliver his people. Didn't the Lord Jesus Christ seem the least likely? I'm showing you some parallels. Because God, you know, we, we many people ignore the Old Testament quite a bit, but there's so much in there. there. The people were shown over and over and over the coming of Jesus Christ, what to expect in their Savior and in their Messiah, and they missed it, even those who were very learned. But those who were really seeking after the Spirit of God, trying to worship Him even then, in spirit and in truth and having faith, some of them saw it. 1 Samuel 10.1, we're going to read there. Then Samuel 
took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Saul was given the word of God through a prophetic message right there from the prophet Samuel. He would rule God's people. The anointing oil was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Many of us know that today. It was a symbol of the Holy Spirit, of God's presence, and of the call that was placed upon Saul's life. It was a pivotal moment right there and then when Samuel anointed him with oil for Saul's life. At that very moment, everything changed for him. As he moved forward with God, Saul's old life would be no more. His old life would be no more. A new life was his. In Christ Jesus, we're welcomed into the kingdom of God, and aren't we all given a new life? And a new promise. In verse 3, we're going to read 3 through 4, Samuel continues speaking to Saul, and he says, Then you will go, at, go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you, and they will offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. All right. Animals, bread and wine, were regularly presented to God. They were sin offerings, thank offerings, and fellowship offerings. Our Savior replaced those offerings, all of them, himself. He was the sin offering, the scapegoat. The wine offering was his blood. And the fellowship offering was his flesh, the bread of life. So when we hear Jesus in the New Testament saying things like, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, these are the places where such, such conversation came from and some could not handle it. Through Jesus Christ, we are no longer captives because of his sacrifice that he made, being all of these things for us. We enter into new life, chosen of God, having communion, right? We take communion with the blood and the bread, the wine and the bread. Communion with him and also with one another. Let's remember that when we take Holy Communion, yes, we're remembering what our Lord did, but we're also remembering that he has made us his body. He has made us one in his body. It's important for us to remember that. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, Saul had been set aside to be different. Right? And we as believers have also been set aside to be different. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and, and Savior, then you are considered to be strange and peculiar. And don't throw that aside. It's amazing how he's willing to change us. Saul is about to receive the baptism and the Holy Spirit 
right after this with evidence. I want you to, to see that, what is happening to Saul. He's been set aside, and now he's going to go on his way. He followed all the instructions of the Lord. We need to follow God's instructions. He gives us instructions. He followed the instructions that were given to him through this time, through the prophet Samuel, to go forth. He said, go forth, continue on your journey, and this is what's going to happen to you. He was told that he would meet a procession of prophets. And that the Spirit of the Lord, same Holy Spirit we talk about, the Spirit of the Lord would come powerfully upon him. 1 Samuel 10, 6 and 7. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. What if Saul had chosen not to obey? Because we do that sometimes. What if he had chosen not to obey the word of the prophet Samuel? When we ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, of which prophecies one, we know that, we can expect to be changed. We should expect to be changed, to experience gifts that can seem so different from anything we've ever known. But guess what? We have to be willing to receive them. We have to be willing because God and the Holy Spirit of the living God allows us to push back. He allows us to push back. He doesn't force us. Very rarely in scripture do you see God forcing his people. It happens, but very rarely. He wants us to come alongside. He wants us to do this journey with him. He wants us to partner with him to get his work here in this earth that we're living in to get his work done. He wants us to partner with him. We have to be willing to receive. In verse 8, Samuel told Saul, Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings, fellowship offerings. But you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. In the last chapter of Luke, chapter 24, before ascending into heaven, Jesus had something to say to his people. Jesus told his followers to wait in the city until they had received power from on high. The account continues in the book of Acts after that. And the disciples obeyed Jesus. They obeyed, they listened, they followed through. And they waited in the upper room and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully. The word of God says the spirit of the Lord descended upon them in power. The Holy Spirit came in the power that was promised by Jesus himself. And 
added to their lives that same power that very day because they obeyed, because they waited. They were there. They received what the Father had promised, what Jesus had promised, and the Holy Spirit came upon them in power. The very power of God with signs following. The power that raised Jesus, it was in the Psalms, the same power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in each one of you if you are a believer. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the moment you did that, the Holy Spirit of the living God indwells each and every one of you. He is with you, and it's the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's the same power that he gives us to love one another. The same power that he gives us to impact and change the lives of others. We must not neglect that. He has empowered you with his love, with his word, to reach out and touch the lives of others around you. And that power is in his word. You know, the word of God was given to us. The scriptures were given to us by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, the word of God is the Holy Spirit. The word of God breathed. It is God breathed. And the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. That's one of his names. We have our Bible because of what the Holy Spirit does. Now, we have to focus on that. We've got to remember that Jesus Christ himself said, I'm sending him to you. The Holy Spirit is here with us because Jesus Christ said we need him. He said he's going to be given to you. He's going to spread himself out. Jesus was in one place. But if every single believer who is empowered by the Holy Spirit of the living God actually walks in that power, think of the impact we will have on this world. It is Jesus Christ's hands and feet multiplied. That's exactly what it is. It's his hands and his feet multiplied. Because in every single believer, you can do the same work that he did. And that's what he wants. And that's what he told us to do. So that power has been given to us. It's a power to speak the word in season and out of season, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to obey God to overcome every temptation that comes your way and to carry out all the work that the Lord Jesus Christ left for us to do. He didn't leave us without the power and the authority and the ability to do it. We can do it. We can do it. The power that he left us is power from on high. And what he does, the Holy Spirit emboldens us in the very same way that we saw Peter emboldened after he was touched by the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. As Saul stepped out in obedience, God changed his heart. When he stepped out in obedience, God changed his heart. We're going to see it right here. 1 Samuel 10, verse 9. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed his heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. When he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined them in the, their prophesying. When all of those people who had formerly known Saul heard him prophesying with the prophets, saw him prophesying with the prophets, 
they asked each other, what is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? It was shocking. It was unbelievable. He was different. And the Lord makes us different too. When God changes us, there better be a noticeable difference. When he changes us, there better be a noticeable difference. It should cause those who know us to question the difference. What happened to you? What happened to that one? If there's going to be let it be about what's going on over there. Why are they being so nice? Why are they, why are they, why are, that, that quiet person's awful bold all of a sudden, talking all the time. Very nice person. What's going on? That's the kind of talk being talked about you want. Every Christian should want to be seen differently. And as we maintain a closeness to him, to our Father God, to our Jesus, it is God who changes us. We don't change ourselves. <laughs> and people should question that difference, and it should continue. It doesn't just stop. It's not like a one-time, oh, you're different. Our walk with the Lord is from one glory to another glory. As we maintain closeness with him, he changes us, and we continue to grow. Our testimony will be of blessings and not of cursings. Jesus took the curse of the law. Did you know that? Do you remember that? Do we think about that? He took the very curse of the law upon himself. And that was something that it was not afforded to the people of Saul's day. We have our Jesus who did all of this for us. We have our beloved, precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who didn't leave us comfortless. He gave us the Holy Spirit. We can freely serve God because of what our Lord Jesus Christ did. They couldn't. They had to go through prophets. They had to, they had to seek God that way. We have intimate relationship with God because he dwells within us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. So we can freely serve him. We can freely love him. And we can experience the greatest gift of all that our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ gave us. And that we can have his presence with us continually. And that presence is the Holy Spirit of the living God, the third person of the Trinity. Verses 13 through 16, they tell us that after all of these amazing experiences that Saul had, that Saul returned home. Uh, and uh, went about business as usual. He didn't... His uncle questioned him, where you been, what you been doing, and, and he, he said he was looking for the goats. Didn't mention anything about the kingship. Didn't mention a word about it. Went home, business as usual. When God calls us and begins to show us hope, the hope that he has for us, not just eternally, not just in, in all of eternity, but right now, the hope that he has for us, right here where we are, it can be hard sometimes to wrap our minds around it, to wrap our head around what he's doing. How can it be when he shows us this hope and when he gives us the Holy Spirit and he gives us experiences with him? 
How can it be? How will it ever happen, this call that he puts on our lives? Did I hear him right when he called me? Does he really have these things for me, this hope and a future? How can it be? We're like Saul. Sometimes we have to contemplate and we have to think about it because we still live in this world, right? He went home and it was business as usual. He just had all these amazing experiences. We can come in here and the Holy Spirit of the living God can make you fall down on the floor. <laughs> and the power of God can come on you so strong and, and an anointing can come over you that is, is otherworldly, literally, and, and you can walk away back to life as normal and go, what really just happened there? Because it's life as normal. And we have to live in this world even when our kingdom is with the Lord. We're told that. Your kingdom is of heaven. Not everything happens immediately when he calls us. When he places something on our hearts or on our minds that he has for us. Growth is a process. We live in a world where people don't want to grow. Where people want everything right now, right now. But growth we all know growth is a process. Transformation is a process. So trust the work of whatever God is doing in you. Because I know he's working in each and every one of you. Trust whatever that work is. Trust what he's doing because he's working. Believe God. Obey God. Obey him and ask him for gifts. I'm telling you this. Ask him for gifts. Put aside fear. That's the number one weapon of the devil. Look around. Demons try to imitate the gifts of God. Did you know that? Demons are out there trying to imitate the glorious, wonderful gifts of that God has given to his people just like they did with the magicians in Egypt with Moses. It hasn't changed. All around us, everywhere you look, people are seeking spirits. They're seeking power through mediums and psychics and tarot cards and crystals and meditation and rituals of all kinds. It's all over the television these days, too. But Jesus said to us, and this is why I say, do not be fearful. Jesus said to us, Satan cannot cast out Satan. Jesus said that. When he had cast demons out of someone and he was questioned about it. Oh, that's he's doing that. He's not doing that by, this, by God. God doesn't do stuff like that anymore. And he said, Satan cannot cast out Satan. Believe him when he tells us these things. Every evil is coming out of darkness in our world around us. So we need to be prepared. We need to be equipped. Every evil is coming out of that darkness and defying God, backed by demons. It's backed by demons who are bringing false promises to people. False promises. They find themselves, after they bought into that, they find themselves receiving the opposite of their desires. 
That's what always happens. We see people all the time, and, and my experience out in the world, I've seen people many times who've been tied up into all these different things, and when they come to you and when they talk to you, they thought they were getting something different, and it's especially attack on our young people. They thought they were receiving something that was going to help them, and in the end, the deceiving that came upon them did not bring them the desires. What it brought them was depression, fear, suicidal thoughts. That's what it brought them. Is that of our Lord? When they go seeking after these other things, they're not going to find freedom. They're going to find a dark bondage. Because what was once alluring, it brings those things, a hopelessness. But we have the God of hope. And that's why I'm saying to you, we have to start speaking to people. We have to start being that witness to people. We're not going to change this world by changing our government. Do you know how we change our community? We change our community by turning people to the Lord Jesus Christ and sincerely turning them there, not just like, oh, a quick prayer and now you're saved and go on your way and keep living exactly like you were. No, get them, getting people to know who Jesus Christ, the Lord, their Lord and Savior is, bringing them into that relationship with him, mentoring them, feeding into their lives like the Lord wants us to do. You change a person's heart, that culture changes. As we change hearts around us, the culture changes based on people loving the Lord. You cannot go out here and demand our community and these people do things in our community that they don't want to do. But if they discover who the Lord Jesus Christ really is, they're going to change. You don't have to make them. They're going to change. They're going to want to change. It's so important that we realize that when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he had a much bigger reason for it than just to bring people into his kingdom. We have to remember that the good, good gift of the Holy Spirit lives in us. And he's with us to teach us and to provide offices and ministries in the church. The Holy Spirit gives powerful gifts that we are told to ask for. He said, ask for those gifts and you will receive them. You're told to ask. If you sit back and you don't ask, guess what? Isn't going to happen. The Holy Spirit gives those gifts that you're told to ask for, and God reigns, his power reigns, and his power can reign in us. His power can reign in us. I want his power to reign in me, but you have to ask. 1 Samuel 10, oops, what's going on with all of this? Why isn't this working? There it is. Okay. 1 Samuel 10, 17 through 19. Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah and said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought, Egypt, brought Israel up out of Egypt. I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God, who saves you out of all your disasters and calamities. And you have said, no, 
appoint a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. Does it sound like God was very happy with them? We must not be like the people we see at that time in Israel. We must not be like that. God alone must be our king, and we must never forsake our walk with him. He is the deliverer. He was their deliverer and continued to be, even when they insisted on having a king. He will not forsake us. He will walk with us. He saves us out of all of our disasters and calamities. Is there anyone here who's never been saved out of a disaster or calamity for, by the hand of God? So let's present ourselves before him as individuals and as the body of Christ, as the church. And let's walk in those kingdom promises because he says we can. Our king, we need to remember who reigns. We need him. This world needs him. So what's stopping us? What's stopping us? Verses 20 through 21 tells us that after all the tribes and clans were presented, Saul was to step forward, but no one could find him. Verse 22. Wait, I don't think I'm jumping ahead of myself. Verse 20 to, uh, verses 20 to 21 tells us that. So verse 22 says, So they inquired further of the Lord, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, Yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies. jumping ahead still. So what happened? What happened to Saul? He was anointed. He had experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. He prophesied with the prophets. Why was he hiding now? He was frightened. He was frightened of the call on his life, and he was avoiding it. We can do the same thing. So don't be frightened of God's call on your life. We can't hide from the Holy Spirit of the living God. He's living inside of you. Our Father sees. Our Father hears. Our Father knows everything. Everything. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Worship him. Worship God in spirit. Hear him. Hear him. Be willing. Have a willing heart. Step out in faith. True joy and true happiness. Do you know how you get them? Do you know how you get true joy and happiness? <laughs> 
You only get them in it by being obedient to what God is calling you to do. And we know many things. I mean, he'll speak directly to your heart, but his word tells you over and over and over again all the things that he's asking of you. And guess what? He doesn't give you a list of to-dos like, like he did to, the, to Israel, the law, all the laws. No, he says, I'm inside of you. I will direct you. Just yield. All you have to do is yield. You don't have to work at it. He's going to do it. But you have to be willing to obey him. You have to be willing to obey him. Verse 23 says, They ran and brought Saul out. And as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. And then the people shouted, Long live the king! The people accepted Saul. They accepted him based on the word of Samuel, number one. But guess why else they accepted him? They accepted him because of the way he looked. He was a head taller than everyone. And some of the other scriptures says he was also handsome. So the people were looking at the outside, at the physical. They didn't have spiritual eyes to see. You can't fault them. They did not have spiritual eyes to see. But you do. In Jesus, God made it possible for every one of us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Each of us, every one of us, can worship him that way. And not anyone is left out. There's not one person, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, who cannot worship him in spirit and truth. The same ability to hear from God that was given to Samuel can be given to you. Because you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. The same access to all of the promises of God belongs to every one of us. Jesus made the way and he showed us the Holy Spirit is with us all. And there's not any excuse that we have that's going to be good enough for avoiding the Holy Spirit of the living God in our lives. If he's given him to you, if he's saved you, if he's accepted you, if you've confessed him as your Lord and Savior, he is there, and there is not one thing that you have done in your past or that you can continue to do that's going to keep him away from you if you are willing, if you are willing. In verse 25, I think I'm skipping uh, things here, but anyway. After explaining the rights and duties of kingship, the people were dismissed. That was in verse 25. The peoples were dismissed, and they were explained the rights and duties of kingship. And God wants us to know our rights and our duties as Christians. I don't want you to miss this. The Lord God is using his people, and I think he's using them more now than he has in a very long time because it's so much needed, and it's been neglected. We've neglected it. We've ne neglected the call he's had on our lives. Even in the Pentecostal churches, we've neglected it. If you belong to him, you must be used. Jesus called each of us to be his body. Didn't he tell us, you are my hands, you are my feet? 
Didn't he tell us that? You're my body. You're my hands. You're my feet. He's called us to speak his words, commanding change in the name of Jesus Christ for God's glory, the glory of the only God and Father. That's why we're supposed to move out, to glorify God. All of these gifts that he's given us, they weren't to glorify us. They weren't to make any one of us look special. They're to bring glory to God like they've always been there to do. The enemy's getting glory right now out there because the church is neglecting the gifting that God has given us that should be bringing him glory. So all the counterfeits are out there. People are chasing the counterfeits. Understand that. When they should be chasing the real. And we're the ones who have the real to offer. But what if he calls, be what he calls you to be, whatever that is, you need to be it and live in the power that he's given you. Because he's given you power. How pitiful. How pitiful it is to have such incredible power given to us. Every one of us. And we're not using it. We're not even acknowledging it sometimes. That's pitiful. That's shameful, really, when you think about it. The Lord Jesus said, these things that I do, you will do also. And he, and he left them for us. Amen. He said, do what I did. Look, I'm showing you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm empowering you. Do it in my name. Give me the glory and the credit. Give the Holy Spirit of God the glory and the credit. Give the Father glory and credit. But do them. Don't neglect them. Do them. He asked us to. He didn't just ask. He said, do them. It was like it was like a command, really. Do them. So be what he calls you to be because he has something for every person. His sacrifice was so great. It's pitiful that Jesus sacrificed the way he did with such great love and great mercy and such grace that he poured out on all of us, giving us healing and wholeness and making it available to everyone who seeks him, to all who seek him. We can have wholeness and fullness of life and healing and joy and empowerment and strength to live this life, to love others the way he wants us to. And we have to do it because that's what he called us to do and it's available to us if we seek him. We have to seek him. He said, ask for it. He didn't say, I'm just gonna pour it out in your lap. He said, seek me and ask me, not to, to spend it on yourself. There's been a lot of churches for a long time there who were like, oh, uh, ask God and he's going to give you a big house and a big car and, and a few boats. And, you know, that's not why he left us power in the Holy Spirit. That's not what the Holy Spirit lives in us for. He lives in us to pour ourselves out on others and to share the wonders of our God with them and to heal the sick if they need healing, to cast out demons if they need casting out, to just move every mountain in a person's life out of the way, everything destroying them. He gave us that power. So what's not neglected? And for people who don't know, because obviously there's no time to get into everything, but you're going to find all of those gifts in your Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in Romans chapter 12. The gifts that I'm referring to, there's other offices and all of that, which is separate, but I'm talking about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. 
So ask for them. Ask God that you might receive those gifts. It's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who gives you those gifts, and he's already in you. Okay? So it's not like you have to, oh, send me down a gift from heaven. He gives them. He's in you. And we're told not only that, if you have any gift, stir it up. Don't neglect it. Don't let it go dormant. Stir it up. Use it. Use it. 1 Samuel 10 ends with this. Verse 26. Saul also went to his home in, in Gibeah, accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. But some scoundrels said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts. But Saul kept silent. Well, Saul could keep silent because God had given him what he needed already. God gave him a company. Right there it tells you of valiant men whose hearts God had touched. God doesn't leave any of us to be lone warriors. There's a lot of Christians out there who thinks they have to be lone warriors. But God provides us with one another to, and, and we're to fight alongside each other. Yes, there's always going to be those among us. Always going to be those among us. So be prepared for that. That don't understand. Who fight the work of God. That literally fight against the work of God. But we don't have to be those people. We, can, we are always also going to have the valiant among us. Those who will lay down their very lives for the Lord of glory. So we'll pour out our lives in worship and in praise and in planting seeds. Because he tells us you plant the seed. And those seeds he promises us will produce a harvest. Don't you want to see a harvest? Don't you want to see people out here coming to the Lord instead of fighting with each other on the street and getting on Facebook and on Twitter and everything and just making big scenes with one another. Come to the Lord, people. He's the answer. It's his great love that has saved us. His great love that has saved us. We start this journey by seeking him. We have to seek him, we have to love him, and we have to trust him. And we have to love others. And we all know that there's some people who are very easy to love and that there's a lot of others that aren't. They're just not that easy to love. When we struggle, we can seek him. And he's the one who will change us. We just seek him, Lord. I know your word tells me I have to love others and some of them are pretty hard to love. And he will change us. Amen. He has us pray blessings over people that we were struggling with. Pray, pray those blessings over people and your heart will change towards them. Your heart will change because he will change you. He will change you. When we struggle, that's what we have to do. He clearly told us that we cannot love him who we cannot see if we don't love our brother who we can see. We don't like to hear that, but it's true. Because we can't see him so it really starts there. 
And every gift that he gives us, every gift, it has to be rooted in loving God and in loving others, or we might as well not even have them. Do you get that? Don't ask God for gifts and think that you're going to get them and not love others because God causes us to sacrifice in our lives. He does. He calls you out. Jesus went in the wilderness for 40 days. You might be called to some wilderness experiences. Those are the things that grow you. But you've got to love other people. Don't go asking him for gifts because the people who God actually will give maybe some wonderful gift to and they really don't love others, they really don't aren't doing it to honor God, they end up actually harming others more than they help. God might leave that gift in them. So don't always look at people and their gifts. Look at the giver of the gifts. Look at Jesus Christ. Because people sometimes can have ulterior motives. Mm -hmm. Don't look around at others and think, well, I think that person person is not a very nice person, but look, they're like, like Saul, you know, in Saul's life, you're going to find out at the end of Saul's life, he was not, he was pretty much rejected. He didn't keep following God or listening or obeying God, but yet the anointing of God was, had been on him for a very long time, even when he was sometimes doing things. So you can't look at people because we don't always understand everything God is doing. Look at Jesus Christ, the only perfect one, and look at what the Word of God tells us that we need to do. That's what you look at. If his word says it, don't reject it because that person over there is acting weird. Okay? So we can't always see him. And when we say that we have to love one another, that sounds just so, so basic, right? So, so basic. I heard that a thousand times. But we're on a journey, and that journey involves other people. And God's going to continue to bring lots of different people into our lives. And we need to learn to love others. So dig in and ask the Holy Spirit of God to teach us, each one of us, not just the word, but the heart of his word, the heart of Jesus in the word. Refuse to get complacent. You know, complacency is a bad thing. Saul, like I said, had messed up along the way. And at the end of his life, he was very complacent. And he chose his own way. He chose his own way, ignoring all the instructions that he was given from God. If we're to fear anything, let it be complacency. Never, ever, ever be satisfied with less than what God has for you. And God has his all for you. So never be satisfied than, than less, than, with less. Be satisfied only with all that God has for you, that he's offering you. If uh, Claim it. Claim your inheritance. You know, he said that we are his children and we're heirs. We're heirs, so claim your inheritance. And right now, because we're getting ready to finish this up, because I think I'm going along. I can't even see the clock over there. But let's stand. Let's stand, because you've all been sitting a long time. Everything has a starting point, right? Everything in life, even our lives here on 
earth. It has a starting point. So I'm going to just suggest to each one of you, if we could start right here, right here in each heart, and in your own heart and in mine, um, if we could ask God, ask him individually to use you and to use us as a body to work through us with that same power that the Holy Spirit, our Savior, walked in. Remember that the Holy Spirit is with us. Remember that the Holy Spirit living in you raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And he is in you. He is life. He sent the Holy Spirit to us to multiply his work through us. And it is through us that Jesus has chosen to meet needs of all kinds, bondages, physical and emotional healings, oppressions, possessions of people. Signs and wonders will follow us if we ask him. But we must determine in each of our own hearts, right? What do we want? What do you want? No one can do it for you. Just like when you, when you decided you wanted to offer your life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and be saved and call him your Lord and Savior. You have to ask for the gifting the same way. No one can do it for you. So if you don't want his gifting, then just don't ask for it. Don't ask for it if you don't want it. And guess what? You won't receive it. You won't receive it. You have not because you ask not. But if you ask in order to bring glory to God your Father and in order to fulfill his calling on your life and his purpose for your life, then you are asking rightly because that's what he wants from each of us. And I also think I should mention that you're never too young and you're never too old, that he's looking for valiant believers with their hearts set on loving him and obeying him. Let's pray. I want to pray for you. Oh, Father, I pray for all of those who do.